Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I am Mike Perry, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Brett Jones. Brett, how you doing, buddy? Fabulous, Mike. Uh, looking forward to today's conversation. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing this for 25 plus years. You've been doing this for... Almost 20. Um, almost 20. So a few years experience in this thing called the fitness industry. So... Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about the realities of being a personal trainer and a strength and conditioning coach. And also we're going to give you some tips on how to become a successful strength and conditioning coach. And we're going to talk about what success means to each individual because success can be uh, talked about in various different ways. So, um, so Brett, when did you start your actual, let's say personal training journey? I know you've worked in a hospital and you, you know, ran a fitness center in a hospital and you've been an ATC, but when did you get into the, the personal training world? So when I transitioned from athletic training to fitness, um, it was, uh, into that hospital fitness center that I ran up in uh, the Clarion PA area and that it was a small um, just hometown wellness center. We did a lot of transitioning from uh, rehab into wellness. So it was post rehab training before there was a thing called post rehab training. And uh, so I actually spent a lot of time with individuals and started personal training and working with people then. <clears throat> and that, um, boy, that situation, because we were based in a hospital or an outpatient physical therapy clinic, uh, I was seeing everything from uh, strokes to Parkinson's, uh, neurological conditions, um, orthopedic issues, uh, amputees, wheelchair bound, um, you name it, it was walking through the door. And uh, coming from the athletic training background with knowledge of orthopedic evaluation, rehabilitation, and really the, ab the ability to continue rehab, <clears throat> um, I didn't know how you were in the fitness world without an athletic training degree, because, you know, the, you, you come through an exercise phys program and I've worked with a lot of different people over the years and you come to an exercise phys program and you learn all the, the science and the details and, you know, the physiology and stuff like that. And you might put together a couple of programs uh, and then you start working with people and it's like, well, we're going to do this program. Well, we, I can't do that program because I've got, I had my knee replaced and I can't kneel or, you know, I've, hurt my shoulder years ago and it still, you know, still bothers me or what, whatnot. So everybody's coming in with some mileage. So I, I entered in kind of jumped in the deep end of the pool, um, frying pan to fire. Um, however you would, whatever cliche you would like to uh, put with it and, um, and, and started, you know, at that point. And, um, of course, during that time I found Pavel and, you know, um, had, had, I had already worked with gray. So I, I had some, uh, some background there. So it was, uh, it was an inter interesting transition. Absolutely. And it's funny because, uh, your experience through academia and into the fitness world is very, very different than mine because you went to school for this stuff. Right. And, and I didn't, I was actually a sociology major studied criminal justice, which, you know, when I was, when I was out of school, it was just like, I want to be a police officer, a detective. And at that point, there were no opportunities for me to, uh, you know, get on a department at that point. So I was actually, I still had this idea of playing professional soccer. So I trained at a facility, um, worked with a bunch of people and, uh, ha had an opportunity to play professionally. I actually made the team was in contracts. Uh, and then I just decided it wasn't worth it because it was a PDL team and the contract was, uh, let's just say it was about the equivalent to what I was spending in gas a year. So, uh, it wasn't exactly worth it, but I, I came into this very, very differently. I met the owner of a facility. Um, we hit it off. I was training with some guys that were in the MLS and, uh, 
and he just said, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this? And I said, well, I said, yes, but I don't have, I don't have the background. Um, I don't have the sort of classically trained exercise fizz background that most of your, your coaches and trainers do. And, uh, he said, just do an internship, man. And you'll learn as you go. So I did a one-year internship made absolute crap money, got there at six in the morning, uh, stayed till seven 30, eight o'clock at night. And I did that for several years until, uh, I slowly removed my head from my butt and then I was able to actually start working with people. So I had that hands-on learning experience, but I also lived an hour from where I started. So I wasn't going to do the back and forth thing. I wasn't going to go and, and go to the, you know, do my first shift and go home and eat and then go back. I was just there all day. So I had to find ways to uh, learn and, and, and to get as busy as possible. And I was you know, helping fold the, the, the laundry towels so people could wipe themselves down. I was answering phones. I was scheduling. I was painting. I was hanging up things. I was fixing things. I was, I was basically doing anything I could to make myself as useful as possible because I wasn't that useful because I didn't know a damn thing, but I could work hard and I could clean and I could just do what I had to do. So I was literally that guy that started off with zero experience. And I just, I stuck around and, and shadowed and learned and um, you know, almost 20 years later, um, you know, I got a gym and done a, done a couple cool things along the way. So that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. But um, that sort of uh, leads me to kind of how to become a successful personal trainer. And, and again, success can be many different ways. A lot of people view success as finances. Uh, a lot of people view success as lifestyle. Um, so there's just different ways to do it. And it doesn't matter what path or, or what success looks like to you, as long as you're happy and you're helping people, we'll consider that successful. But I would say that for most people, they want to try to make an honest living. Uh, they want to impact as many people as possible. And some people are happy with gen pop. Some people are happy with the athletic population. And, uh, you know, I would argue that when you first start off, train as many people as possible. If you have the opportunity to work with middle school kids, train them, elementary train them. There was the air quotes right there. Um, high school, gen pop, post rehab, just there's so many similarities and everybody thinks that they have to be, you know, I'm working with this person. So they need this specialty. I'm working with this person and they need the specialty, but guys, human movement is human movement. And when you start to understand how to change and how to look and evaluate and see movement, everything gets a little bit more clear because I was thinking, Hey, these NFL guys that I'm working with need this crazy advanced stuff. No, that wasn't the case. We just need to keep them as healthy as possible so they can play, you know, every weekend. And it's the same thing with, with gen pop, right? Um, you're just, a lot of those people just want a healthier lifestyle and want to move better, feel better and perform better. So, uh, the first piece, piece of advice I would give you is just train as many people as possible to get as much experience as you can, uh, you know, be a savage, uh, generalist, be as good as you can. It's like, um, it's like a general contractor, right? Most people that are getting into construction start as a general contractor. And then down the road, maybe they're going to be focusing more on fine woodworking or plumbing or electrical. They'll start to specialize in their given trade. So, but start by gaining as much experience as possible and work with everybody. Um, you will learn so much from those different populations. And don't, don't feel like you're too good to, to work with gen pop because everyone thinks, oh, I want to work with pro athletes. But I'm going to tell you right now, 95% of the strength coaches and personal trainers out there aren't making a living training professional athletes. They're training gen pop. hundred percent. You're looking for people with disposable income and the desire to be coached and to live a better life, accomplish their goals. Um, you know, people will come out and, and they'll, they will, they'll identify a population they want to work with. And, you know, uh, but you have had some success, uh, great success working with uh, fighters. Yeah. And people will come out and say, I want to work with fighters. Um, not a whole lot of money um, to be had there. That's, that's a passion project. That's not uh, what's putting food on the table. And um, so let's, let's break it down into the two paths. Um, it, let's say you came out of the educational path. You have a, an associate's or a bachelor's degree. Uh, maybe it's exercise phys or exercise science. Mine was sports medicine, athletic training. Um, so you come out with this body of knowledge and I can remember one of the interns we had at a club that I was managing. Um, and he's, I think he was finishing his master's degree. Actually, he had stayed in, in the program and, and done a master's degree as well. And I said, okay, so, um, you know, how many, 
how many people have you trained? Like, how many programs have you written? He said, oh, I really haven't worked with anybody yet. And I'm like, so <laughs> you're, you're finishing a master's degree and you haven't really worked with anybody yet. He's like, yeah. I said, you didn't just want to make a couple extra bucks around campus or you didn't have to put a program design for each other you know, in the program? No, not really. I said, okay, but you're ready to work with people. He's like, oh yeah, 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 I'm ready. I said, okay, here's your client Monday morning. A uh, 60 year old female wants to lose 15 pounds for her daughter's wedding, has had a right knee replacement and has left shoulder pain. Go. <laughs> Cause that's Monday morning. Yep. You're not coming out and working with athletes and you're not getting the, uh, the, the, the pristine, you know, garage kept single owner that, uh, that, that, you know, is a low mileage uh, rambler that can uh, just hop into a program. Like I said, you're getting people with disposable income who have a goal or, or want to uh, pay you to help them learn how to do this thing. So for the educational path, you've got the theoretical body of knowledge. Now you got to start applying it. You got to start working with people You get, and start that sooner rather than later. Um, family, friends, maybe, uh, maybe not family. That's, that's a touchy subject. Because <laughs> um, uh, any, any, any coaching within uh, relationships is difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's, you know, picking up a couple of clients here or there that just give you that opportunity to put that theoretical body of knowledge into practice. For those people that come in uh, without the theoretical body of knowledge, um, you, you need to do both. You need to play, play some catch up, get some theoretical knowledge uh, behind you, understand physiology, understand anatomy. Um, go to a physical therapy clinic and see if you can shadow uh, for a little bit. So you understand a little bit more of what's happening and see if that's a clinic where they're willing to say, okay, well, this is a fitness person that's, you know, they're, they're interested in knowing what we do and maybe, maybe we help them out a little bit. Um, so get the background, study, uh, read, research, and work with people. Um, people that typically come in through the, uh, the non-education path, they tend to be more of your personality driven uh, trainers to begin with. Anyway, they like working out. People like being around them. So they start training people. And I, I tell people with uh, bachelor's degrees and, and fancy certifications all the time, you are going to get out earned 10 to one by somebody with a $99 online cert and a personality. Absolutely. Because if people do not enjoy being around you, they are not going to pay you. They are not going to trust you. They are not going to pay you uh, because if you're not somebody that they enjoy being around and that's not to say you have to be all things to all people. And you're going to certainly have clients that you get started with. And you're like, uh Oh, this is not a good match. And those situations usually take care of themselves and things, things move along. But you know, when you break it down into those two paths now, do I think there should be a standard educational baseline for everybody in the fitness industry? Yes. Because here's the, the, the ultimate reality that nobody really talks about is at a, these people are trusting you with their lives. And that sounds um, verbose or uh, hyper, hyperbolic, but people are literally trusting you with their lives. Uh, whether that's orthopedically with uh, the, the chance of hurting uh, a back or a knee or a shoulder, uh, that could be cardiovascularly. Um, people, uh, especially morning exercisers, get on a treadmill and there's, or bike or whatever, and cardiac events happen. Do you know CPR? Are you ready to hop in? Do you have an emergency action plan? Do you know what to do in that situation? I, I was, uh, I'll stop talking here in a minute. Uh, he said, never. <laughs> um, I was, I was, tr I was training a client and another trainer was in the room training a client and um, older gentleman or early eighties. Um, and he, <clears throat> they just got off the ground differently. And while he's standing there shaking the trainer's hand, he passes out. His head just tilts back and he's, he's gone. And the trainer's like, I, I see the, you know, deer in the headlights. Like he's just holding onto this guy's hand. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do. So I step in, I guide the guy down to the ground. We get his legs up, get everything, you know, go, go call EMS, get me the blood pressure cuff. You know, we got, got things in action. 
And about, about 10 seconds after we got him down on the ground, he kind of goes, looks over at me, goes, passed out, didn't I? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're, you're on the ground. You're all good. He was a former doctor. He, he, he had been a doctor for, for decades. And, and so he you know, was pretty, pretty dialed in. Would you know what to do in that situation? Uh, would you know what to do with somebody, you know, does hurt themselves? Um, do you, so, you know, before we even talk about, you know, the, the hours are, are you ready to take on that responsibility? People are trusting you with their health and their lives. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and obviously that is a, not your normal everyday story, but those things will happen. I've had, uh, you know, not similar events, but I've, I've been in there and I've seen some stuff I've seen. Uh, I remember uh, I was working at my first job and there was a new coach coming on board and they had them running sprints and a woman just went cut boom. You heard the pop from the other side and just complete ACL tear. And, you know, luckily we had a uh, medical professionals inside. So we just, we had them, you know, help out as quickly as possible. And that was uh, when I was kind of a newer trainer, but uh, that's why it's important to have one, that CPR certification, learning how to use an AED. If you don't have that stuff and you're a coach, go get your CPR certification, make sure that your facility has an AED. Um, yes, it's expensive, but who cares? It's, it could literally save someone's life. And if you're not willing to invest, you know, seven to $1,200 on an AED, but you'll friggin' buy the, a new monolift for your gym, I think your priorities are in the wrong spot. So, um, you know, make sure that you guys have, have your, your, your updated CPR certification and uh, also know how to use an AED. The good thing about AEDs is really, they're so, uh, self-guided now that literally you turn that thing on, it'll tell you step-by-step step what to do. You really, you really can't screw it up. Um, so, uh, I highly recommend that. And then honestly, the, the other thing is just simply, uh, like Brett said, you know, are you willing to get to that point or do you, do you know what would happen or how you would respond worst case scenario? And again, this isn't an everyday occurrence, but things happen and you need to be able to think quickly to make sure that, you know, one, that individual is safe, but the people around you are safe as well, because you never know what you're dealing with. And, um, and um, that is uh, absolutely super important. And and I'll be honest, um, when I when I started early on, I I didn't have that skill set. And over over the years, I did develop it. Thank goodness, I didn't have anything that happened um, under my watch. But uh, I was always surrounded by a bunch of medical professionals as well, and that that was obviously helpful because um, you know clinicians uh, just have uh, more schooling and more background on the body than the guy that has. Uh, you know, a criminal justice background. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend, you know, getting that stuff and, and, uh, you know, just learning the basics. Um, you won't regret it, especially if you, again, just the basics of CPR, first aid, et cetera, it, it could make a, a significant difference in uh, the outcome. So that's, uh, super important. And, and just, you know, just like you can talk to a, uh, somebody that was on the police force for 30 years and never had to pull their gun there's somebody on the police force that had to pull the gun during their first week. So don't think just because Bob, the, the uh, trainer down the street, who's been doing this forever had never seen this happen. That's ridiculous. It, the next day could be the day that, that something like that happens. So you, you just want to be prepared for that. You know, as an athletic trainer, I've spine boarded kids. I've taken care of what could have been significant cer uh, cervical injuries and back injuries. And uh, I've handled dislocated this, that, and the other things and fractured uh, this, that, and the other things. And, and I'm, I'm pretty hard to flap in one of those kind of emergency situations because I, I have the years of experience and training where when something happens, I, I, I go into that mode and I, I, I get it taken care of. Um, if you if you're a if you are a more panicky person uh, in those situations, spend some time getting better at that because that's it, it can it can really make a difference. And the difference is training, just like we would be saying, uh, you know, practice makes perfect or perfect practice makes perfect. And all of the cliches and the memes that have resulted from those sayings and people trying to sound smart. Um, you know, if you don't have a plan and you haven't put it into action, and you haven't practiced it. Uh, we didn't, what, what's the old, uh, another cliche, we don't rise to our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Absolutely. So, and like I said, sounds hyperbolic. It sounds like it's a, it's an overstep, but it, it's an essential piece of the puzzle. Now let's talk putting the hours in. 
Because just like you said, I got there at six in the morning. I left at seven, eight at night as a 12, 14 hour day. Um, you know, it's, it's put first and, and athletic training, same way. First one to leave last, first one, first one to leave, delete that. <laughs> first one to show up last to leave, put the hours in. You'll be amazed at what happens in your life when uh, the work gets uh, done. It's the old saying, the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. Um, and it's, it's very, very true. Put the hours in. Yeah. It, and, and here's the thing. It's, um, it's one thing to be at a location and being present for a, a full day, but being productive is, is a very, very different conversation as well. And, and we'll get into that, but, um, yeah, I mean, at first, um, you can't be picky with your schedule, um, because whether you're going, private sector where you have to build a book of business, or maybe you're going strength and conditioning coach for college or even major league baseball or NFL. I mean, you're still, you're still working a ton of hours. Um, and, uh, it's, it's going to be a grind regardless. Like if you want to be quote unquote successful in this industry and, and make a living and uh, be able to pay your bills, et cetera, you're going to have to put in the hours, which again, you know, not, not too many people are like, Hey, my goal is to train between 11 and three on, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's, you know, that's usually, the workout time for the coaches or the lunch time or the errand time, but usually the mornings are stacked and then you have a break and then you do the same thing at night. And, uh, you know, when you're younger, put that work in, get there, um, stay at the gym, find ways to be helpful, find ways to be productive. And, uh, just, you know, you gotta just, you gotta really, you gotta earn your keep a little bit. And, um, you know, these days, uh, I'm a huge fan of just hard workers. I don't care what your schooling is, what your background is. If you're in there, whether it's any job, it could be in training, it could be cutting grass, it could be building homes, it doesn't matter. Get in there and put the work in and, and, and bust your butt and be passionate and proud of what you do. You're gonna be successful, but there are no shortcuts in a world of biohacking and hack this and hack that. You cannot hack your way to becoming a personal trainer and, and a successful one. So you've got to put the work in. And uh, if you're expecting, you know, uh, a work-life balance and to be making six figures and working, you know, eight hours a day, it's not going to happen. Now, down the road, after you've developed a skill set and maybe you have a specialty, then absolutely you can make a really, really good living. But at first, you're going to have to put those hours in. You're going to have to work harder at first and then work smarter later. But you just can't go and attack it and be like, I'm just going to do my nine to five and I want to find this and I want to have a good work-life balance. I remember I was interviewing a coach at one point and this was like a really young coach with only a handful of years of experience. And he's like, yeah, I just, I'm looking for a better work-life balance, but I want to make X. And I'm like, you're in the wrong industry. It's, it's in, and again, I wasn't trying to be negative, but man, it just, it doesn't happen that way. It really does not happen. So you do have to put that work in and just find ways to keep yourself busy. And, and one thing I would say too, and this is just an observation, I'm not saying it's the same with everybody, but the individuals that go to the gym in the morning and then leave for lunch and then go and train people and they're doing this back and forth all day, those people from my experience don't end up making it because they're not willing to just put in the grind and, and, and be at a place for 12 hours. If you're, if you're constantly going back and forth, back and forth, you're not focused. And all of the trainers that I know are successful have put those long days in. Yes, don't get me wrong. You can sneak out and go grab lunch, but they're not going back and forth to their homes. And uh, I found that I was always more productive when I lived a little bit further from my work because I had to get my butt there and I could stay there. At one point, I lived five minutes from my gym and I found myself going back and forth. And then I kind of felt out of touch and I kind of felt like I was losing my groove. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm at the gym for the day, I'm at for at the gym for the day. And yes, I'll sneak out and run errands, but I'm not going home, putting my feet up, watching Netflix. I'm still kind of in work mode. So that's just a, a simple observation about coaches that I've seen, but I got to tell you 90% of the time, it's the truth. Well, not, not to sound like two angry old guys uh, yelling <laughs> at people to get off their lawn, but uh, you know, the, the fact is um, the hours matter, the work matters. Uh, the average career span, and this, this data is a little dated, but still pretty accurate to the best of my knowledge. Uh, average career span in the fitness industry is six months to three years because it is a grinder. 
because it is, uh, and, and most people that get into the fitness industry, not good business people just don't have the background. I'm, and I'm pointing at myself right now. Um, the, uh, let's, let's say you're lucky. Let's say you end up in a situation where right off the bat, you're getting a hundred dollars an hour. And I'm, I, I use that figure because the math is easy after the fact. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're probably going to start out making 30 some odd dollars an hour. Um, so let's, let's just call it a hundred dollars an hour. Okay. Take 30% of that $30, put it in the bank because you're going to need that to pay your taxes unless you're an employee. Uh, and that is happening more and more in the industry. But if you're a subcontractor or you're your own, uh, you're running your own business for every hundred bucks you make, put 30 of it into the bank. And that just covers taxes. Yeah. Uh, now let's pay for health insurance because as we both know, life happens and having health insurance is pretty freaking important. And there's a lot of people out there that don't, uh, that don't have that. So let's take another $10 uh, and put that aside for, for health insurance. Uh, do you want to retire one day? Okay, well, let's take another 10 or $15 and let's put that aside into a retirement account. Uh, so let's, let's just make that 10. So that's 10, 20, you're halfway through your hundred dollars and you haven't done anything. You haven't even paid a mortgage or an apart or rent. You haven't paid for groceries. Uh, yeah, that trip you wanted to take. Okay. Let's put 50 cents aside <laughs> and start saving money for that trip. Um, now if you come out and you end up in a situation where you're an employee and you've got benefits and you're like, man, that's amazing. Um, I've been, I've been doing this. I have achieved a certain level of success in this industry. I'm still working three jobs. I still maintain a personal training, uh, business, uh, work full-time, uh, with another organization and work, uh, with a third organization, uh, generating content and teaching. Uh, I, turns out four jobs was too many, but three I can, I can sustain. So, you know, I'm still putting the hours in and putting the work in. So if you're thinking, ah, oh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll grind for a couple of years and then I'll, uh, I'll just ease back because everything will be in place. I will remind you of the classic and the old saying that an overnight success takes 10 years, uh, which is fairly true. Uh, and sometimes it's longer than 10 years. So um, obviously this podcast is uh, my rant followed by Mike's rant, followed by my rant, followed by, <laughs> but the, the, the reality is um, this, this industry is a grinder because the schedule that you laid out where you start your first client five, five 30 in the morning uh, and you work until 10 or 11. Uh, and then you have a break where maybe you do your own training. Maybe you try to sleep or you're writing programs, taking care of emails, trying to get more clients, uh, you know, doing all of that stuff. And then you start again in the afternoon with more sessions and usually into the, into the early evening. Um, it's a weird schedule. It's very stressful. Um, and most people after a little while of running the treadmill of client acquisition and losing clients, cause you're going to lose clients. People work, they move there, or they just say, eh, I'm not really into this anymore. And they, they stop training. So you, you've got to constantly be bringing people in and trying to keep the ones you got. And you, you, you have to hit a balance of where those two things, those two things work out. So it's, it's not an easy industry. Yeah, it, it is not. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that you're going to have your good times and bad times. And there's, there's one uh, piece of advice I'll definitely give you. If the work is there and you can train as many people as possible for a given amount of time, take it because you're going to have a natural ebb and flow on your schedule where you're going to be really busy. And then you're going to be not so busy. And you're going to be, when you're not busy, you're going to be wishing you were busier. So it's kind of like, it's the opportunity. If you can train the people and it's not going to make you absolutely miserable, I encourage you to do that because there's going to be times where you're going to be light in your schedule. You're going to be going, Oh man, how am I going to do this? It's, um, it's kind of similar to like overtime, right? My, my dad and even my brother, um, they've, they've worked two jobs their whole life. And, 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 uh, you know, my brother's like, Hey, if I could take overtime, I'm taking the overtime because it's not always there. And it's an opportunity to make a higher rate. So, you know, any opportunity he gets, he, he jumps on that. And that's just, uh, you know, maybe it's a little old school thinking about just being out there and being a hard worker, but that's just kind of how we were, we're both raised. So, um, you know, it's, 
it's going to be a natural ebb and flow, but if you have the opportunity to, you know, bang out a couple extra sessions here and there, and it can work within your schedule, um, you'll be all right. It's going to, you're going to be a little tired, but at the end of the day, um, it is what it is, but I want to switch gears a little bit. And, uh, I want to talk about some strategies that can help, um, younger personal trainers, whether you went sort of the academia route or whether you went sort of the, um, you know, the route that I took, which was, Hey, I just went and learned and interned. Um, so a couple things, um, when you are just present and you are available, opportunities will present themselves. It could be just hanging out at your gym, talking to members and striking up a conversation or just being friendly or saying hello. You'll never know what's going to happen unless you actually show up and take the initiative to be present. And uh, just showing up, I've, I've met some amazing people and, and, and landed some clients just by having a conversation with people. Or, you know, you start to chat and they'll be like, oh, do you know a good exercise for this? And then next thing you know, you're chatting with them and then you start working with them. And it's sort of this organic way to acquire clients, but you're not going to have that opportunity unless you're there, unless you're present, people can see your face. And, you know, when we're working with, uh, with new clients or a higher new coaches, especially younger coaches that don't have a ton of experience, I say, Hey, I just, just hang out and, and say hello and make, make yourself known and make yourself present. So people know who you are, because that's the first step and developing relationships is, is just being there. So that's the one thing I would say. And then uh, the other thing I would, I would recommend is try to find individuals uh, that are willing to help you along the way. Find a mentor, whether it's a, a training mentor, um, whether it's a mentor that can help you with some, you know, some life decisions, or maybe it's just reaching out, like Brett said, to a local clinic and just saying, hey, you know, I'm a strength coach, personal trainer, and I'd love to learn more about what you do, um, because we do have clients that, you know, occasionally are going to have needs that are going to be met only by a medical professional. So going in and actually developing that relationship is going to be, it's going to be significant because one good physical therapists are always looking for good trainers to pass people off to. And if you develop that relationship early on and they trust you, it's an easy referral for them. And it, and it's actually reciprocal as well, vice versa. You want to find a good clinician that you can trust. So if your client does have something going on, they can be seen by, um, you know, a, a really good uh, medical professional, but, um, you know, latching onto people and, and trying to learn from people that you look up to, um, and respect is, uh, is something that, um, I would highly recommend you do. I mean, early on when I first uh, started training people, a few years in, I, I took my RKC and I just literally, I, I didn't even know who Brett was. And I just kind of reached out to him. And, um, you know, when I ended up doing my, my level one certification, he was my, my team leader at the time. And, uh, we developed a relationship and anytime Brett came to new England, I just pinged him. I was like, dude, can I, can I tag along? And, and that's, honestly, that's how sort of our relationship started. There was, if there was an FMS in town, I'd be like, Hey, can I help? Can I pass out manuals? Can I sign people up? Can I lay out the stretch bands, blah, blah, blah. And, and the same thing happened if there was any type of kettlebell stuff going on. And I was just the, the squeaky wheel getting the grease. Um, I just wanted to learn from people like Brett and, and, uh, and down the road, I, I was able to, you know, get involved with, with functional movement systems and with strong first and, and with perform better as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty cool when you can, uh, reach out to someone as I did with Brett and, and learn from that individual, but, um, it's always nice to have people to bounce off, uh, ideas off or just learn from because, um, again, it can be reciprocal as well. So, uh, find a mentor and, and try to, um, see if there's someone out there that will help you. And, and it's going to seem silly, but I, I remember, uh, another friend of mine, uh, he was, uh, actually our, um, uh, the guy who married us, he's our pastor. And I, uh, reached out to him, uh, not too long ago and I was going through a lot of stuff and I was like, Hey man, uh, like I need some help. And I literally was like, will you be my mentor? I it was, it was kind of like, I felt like I had to get down on one knee and like, but, but it was funny. He goes, cause we were having a conversation. He goes, dude, I'd love to help you out. He's like, whatever you need. And like, just knowing that I have a couple people in my life that I can, you know, talk to about a bunch of things I think is, is pretty impactful. So, um, you know, mentors will show up in different parts of your, of your, um, journey, but I, I encourage to see if you can find like-minded individuals that are, are willing to, take the time and help you out because, um, you know, a little bit goes a long way. So finding those people that will help you is going to be, is going to be really nice. And, and, and Brett's one of those guys. And then another individual by the name of BJ Baker, a guy that kind of took me under his wing and I learned from him as well. And, uh, you know, over the years I've, I've been able to meet a lot of cool people and, and, uh, have some awesome relationships and, and it simply just came by wanting to learn 
and uh, wanting to surround myself with, with um, people that were successful and, and, you know, much better at, at what I was doing. So I could just uh, step up my game. And I think that's super important. hundred percent. Uh, to circle back on something that you started with there, uh, and I'm going to phrase it slightly differently, uh, personality, and I mentioned this earlier on, be somebody that people want to be around, be somebody that's helpful, that's nice. Um, you know, you, you want to be known as the person in the gym that will lend a helping hand, that mm-hmm. will answer a question. Um, you you want to be that, uh, that, that personality that people, uh, you know, that they might be training with another trainer, but they're asking you how the pirates did last night. You know, they're, they're, you know, you're, you're just somebody they enjoy talking to. Um, never forget that this isn't about you. And I know that's painful to some of the, the egos and, and people out there, uh, but this isn't about you. And I know there's the whole aspirational marketing thing and you're going to you know, be this example and, and whatnot. Um, people don't care about that. <laughs> very, let me rephrase. Very few people care about that. Yeah. Uh, two cliches. Nobody knows. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, and I can forget the other one. Uh, it was so a good, it was the, really good though. It was good. It was really apropos, but, uh, it's gone. Um, but that's, that, that's a, a big key and, and also goes along with putting the hours in being present and, and, uh, being present and, um, how, how you're perceived, whether you think your next client is watching you to see if they want to work with you or not your next client is watching you and they are seeing if they want to work with you or not, especially if you're on the floor and you're, you're either you're training somebody else or you're getting your own workout in, or you just happen to be the guy on the floor guy or girl on the floor that's answering questions and trying to be helpful. Um, so if you're putting yourself out there as you know, you might be super, super nice when you're in front of people, but then they know as soon as you turn your back on that person, you're picking your nose, burping, farting, and, uh, and just generally being unpleasant to be around. Um, they're seeing that. Uh, we, we talk about it from a presentation standpoint and from a, a teaching standpoint. Uh, when I'm on the road and I'm teaching, when I leave my hotel room in the morning till I go back in my hotel room at night, I'm on stage. Everything I do reflects on that group, on my, on me, and on the group that I'm presenting for. Uh, so I take that very seriously. And so it's not that you don't you don't have to be fake, but be pleasant. <laughs> you know, um, introvert, extrovert, whatever. Like both, there are successful examples of both. Uh, there are unsuccessful examples of both. Um, so definitely, uh, and that I, let's transition that into talking about, uh, what is success? What do you, what do you, you know, if you want to do this, if you're, uh, committed to this path and being, uh, and we haven't scared you off from, from being in the, in the fitness world, um, you know, success is going to mean a few different things. And, um, if you, a lot of young trainers who, put in the 14 hour days and, and are very aggressive. Uh, they, they start to find that when they want to actually have a relationship or uh, get involved with somebody, it becomes more difficult. And so success eventually does become that work-life balance question where, you know, how are, how are we going to get it all done? Because um, I will throw myself under the bus uh, first as a workaholic and somebody that in my travels, um, I missed too much at home. I, I was putting in too many hours. I was taking too many trips. I was, and I, I missed a lot and I'll never get it back. So don't be me. (laughs) Um, before we move on, I just want to say one more thing. Coach Boyle calls it, be a certified nice person. And honestly, that's probably the most important certification you'll ever get is, um, you know, being pleasant. And, uh, you know, one other thing I would just add to that is, um, when, when people are hiring you for, for, for you to be their personal trainer, they're, they're absolutely hiring you for the, the fitness component, right? They're talking about moving better, feeling better, performing better. They want to be able to pick up their grandkids. Maybe it's sport related, maybe aesthetics, whatever, but there's also the, the relationship and, and the friendships that you'll develop. And a lot of these individuals are, are going to develop a relationship with you and you're going to almost be like the shrink. And I'm not saying that you should be giving people advice on mental health. I'm just saying 
you're going to be listening and they, they may tell you things that they may not even tell their close friends or their spouse because they feel like they can confide in you. So, um, you'd be amazed at what you can uncover when you're willing to listen and when you're willing to just uh, lend an ear so that those things are going to happen. And it's pretty cool when, and people come to you and they, you know, uh, share things with you and some will and some won't, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to hear stuff and, and shoot, I could tell you <laughs> endless stories about that. But, um, you know, a, a lot of times people will end up working with a trainer. Yes. For the physical component, but a lot of the times they just want to vent or they want someone to listen. And that's, uh, that's pretty darn important. And uh, what's that old saying? You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. It's because we should listen more than we should talk. And, uh, you know, a big fan of that saying, but, you know, kind of, um, you know, moving back to, uh, you know, what Brett was talking about, what is success? And um, I'll start off with a, a little bit of a story that um, a nice little learning lesson I got from Brett. So this is when I was, you know, getting a little bit more uh, later into my career, um, I have at this point, I remember I, I had my gym skill of strength and, you know, I was uh, with strong first. And at that point I was a team leader wanting to teach more. And I, I got on as an assistant, uh, with functional movement systems. So here I was gym owner, uh, you know, young family working for FMS, working for strong first. And I remember saying to Brett, Hey man, like, I want to go out and I want to teach more. Like I love teaching and I love lecturing and I'll, I'll never forget this. He goes, what are you willing to miss? And I was like, Damn it. That's not the answer. What I was looking for I was like, I was looking for the recipe. Um, but it was true because it was just like, he's like, are you, are you willing to miss the birthdays? Are you willing to miss those, you know, those weekends at home? Are you willing to miss trips? And, uh, I had to, I had to step back a little bit because yes, I, I was really excited about getting out there and teaching and making a, you know, a name for myself with FMS and strong first and lecturing for perform better. But that, that conversation really changed my approach because I don't want to miss that stuff. I don't want to miss my kids growing up. I just don't want to miss that. So I had to kind of take a step back and reevaluate and don't get me wrong. I did those things, but I didn't aggressively attack those things as much because of that conversation. And, and it was really an impactful conversation. And, uh, you know, looking at it now, with COVID, I haven't had the opportunity to teach and a lot, there's not too many people that are traveling and teaching, but at the same time, you know, when I was home, it was like, man, being with my families, it's pretty awesome. And I don't want to, I don't want to miss that. So, um, you know, looking at success for some people, Hey, if you're like a single a male or female and you want to go make a name for yourself and you're willing to travel and be somewhere every weekend, cool. Like that's awesome. And go for it. But, um, you know, if you want to be a, a good dad or, or a good mom, a good spouse, um, a good friend, you can't be gone all the time. And that's just as simple as how it is. And, and it can be really hard. I've never, I've never gotten to that point where I've traveled a lot. I've had a decent amount of travel, but, um, if I was gone every other weekend, um, I, I don't think I would be able to do what I need to do for my family. And, and, and to me, that's more important. So, yeah, success is nice. Like making the extra money and going out and, and, you know, making those extra bucks is making those extra bucks is, is nice, but you always have to think it's checks and balances. What are you willing to miss? And, and I still, I actually have that same conversation with other people now because it was pretty impactful. Well, uh, my wife is a cautionary tale. Uh, so, <laughs> Um, but well, thank you first off. And, uh, you know, second off there's, it's very, very true. And I, I learned that lesson the hard way. And now I, I, cause I, I do get, the, I get that question. People attend a workshop or two and they're like, I want to do what you do. I'm like, awesome. What are you willing to miss? Cause if you take on this part of the business and let's be honest, you know, as a gym owner and somebody that can end up having to cover entire shifts and, you know, hop into things, um, you can, you can end up missing things now because stuff just has to get done. Uh, but you know, that's, that's the exception rather than the rule. And, uh, you do have to have a degree of financial success. Um, you do want to be able to take care of yourself and, and go on vacation and have healthcare and, you know, and, and be able to retire one day. Um, I'm, wondering when that's going to be for me, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're totally a different conversation. 
and I want to highlight one thing as we're kind of coming to an end here. Um, notice how little of the conversation focused on sets, reps, kinesiology, physiology. Um, that's that's that theoretical knowledge base that you should have and or you should develop, and uh, it's important. But biceps are importantner. Um, <laughs> as, as, as the saying goes, or, or more, um, I always say more good or people love that. More, and they're like more, more goodly. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, there's all of these other aspects and, and people will, will, you know, they want to have the secret sauce. They want to know, you know, this program, or if I go take this workshop, that's going to, that's going to unlock whatever it is. Um, and it usually boils down to hard work, personality, and um, being present. And, um, you know, we can do a whole other podcast on theoretical body of knowledge and things that I think are important to, to know. Uh, but very little of that popped up in today's podcast on being a part of the fitness industry, being a personal trainer. Um, you, you know, as a business owner, and thank goodness for Mandy, because uh, the, the business aspect is intense. And uh, it's one of the reasons I've never owned a facility because I know me and um, I, I can manage uh, and I can step into a bunch of different roles, but uh, I know my limitations. And uh, so, yeah, I, maybe, maybe we should have another conversation about the realities of owning a gym because that's a whole yes. different conversation. Um, so Brett, if you were to sit down with a brand new, uh, you know, young coach, what, what would be three key pieces of information, three things that you would say are your non-negotiables? Oh boy. Um, wow. I don't even know where to begin with that. Uh, cause I, I don't know their background. Um, well just, just I, new, new personal trainers, three trips, three tips that would help them with their journey. Um, study comedy. <laughs> or seriously, uh, for that ability to be up in front of people. If you're somebody that's not comfortable up in front of people, uh, study comedy, timing, intonation, personality, you know, how, how do you want to present yourself um, and, and put yourself out there? Um, it's actually just a useful tool uh, that can help you because you're on stage. If you're in a gym and you want business, you are on stage. And so being able to be, uh, to be likable, to, to tell that good joke, not the dirty joke, the good joke, uh, and, you know, bring, you know, have people want to be around you. Um, I actually, I tell a lot of, and I've done this with a few new trainers. Uh, I recommend Coach Boyles, uh, you mentioned him earlier, I recommend his information as a base to get started. Um, you know, Mike has made a career out of very safely training groups of people, uh, from the highest professional levels to the middle school, high school level. Uh, and he has some fantastic information, uh, functional strength coach, um, his, either his book, or I, I haven't taken the certification yet, but I'm sure it's, it's really good. Um, that's kind of plug and play. Um, you, you want to know how to get started with people and, and kind of have a, a recipe that you can follow good place to start. And then I, I personally would push you down the rabbit hole of FMS and strong first, because I think the, uh, the ability to look at people's movement, adapt a program to what the person actually needs, uh, and to understand kettlebell training, barbell training, body weight training, uh, at a high level, um, is, you know, that combination of skills really successful in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I mean, we can obviously talk, uh, at length about that, but a lot of that stuff is principle-based, not method-based. So it's not like you're just learning how to use a kettlebell. You're applying the principles of strength training and your implement is the kettlebell. And it's the same, those principles carry over to body weight and they carry it over to barbell, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you my three. Um, so uh, one is outwork everybody, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> It sounds simple and it sounds almost silly, but if you're willing to just simply outwork people, you will get noticed. And it's not, it's not sexy, but boy, it'll make a difference if you're the one there 
doing those little extra things, just, just being present and, and outworking people. So I would say absolutely, uh, um, just outwork people. Uh, and I would say surround yourself with people that are much more successful and smarter than you. It's like that old saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. So whether that's finding a mentor or learning from, you know, clinicians or just other coaches. So just surround yourself with really good people. And there's one other thing that I, I want to add in here. And, and it's, I don't hear people talking about this is everybody's worried about new clients and getting new clients, but client retention and having the ability to, to maintain clients. I have clients that I've worked with for 12, 13, 14 years still. So having the ability to maintain your clients and retain those clients is going to be huge. And that goes with just a simple check-in. If I work with someone and maybe something was going on, I'm going to text them an hour later and be like, Hey, Hey, Brett, how's your hip feeling after that? Or how's your back feeling? Just, it doesn't have to be anything uh, significant or drawn out. It's just a simple check-in and those simple check-ins, whether it's a text or even, Hey, I saw this funny video clip and I thought of you that's, that's important. So just having that check-in, whether it's a, a text or an email or something silly or, Hey, how's your vacation? I know you went skiing, like all of those little things add up. So constantly be checking in with your clients and it could be just like, Hey man, uh, pump the way that your deadlifts looked today. Just continue doing that. Like there's always a reason just to, whether it's just to reinforce things or to be positive. So, uh, those are some, some simple strategies that, uh, that I would highly recommend. But uh, I think at this point, we are going to, uh, we're going to end it from here. Brett, anything else you want to add before we uh, wrap up today's episode? Put those six or seven things together and uh, you can build a monster and, and have a successful uh, career. Uh, I can't imagine my life not doing what I do. Um, I love working with people. I love teaching. Um, I, I love this. Um, that's, it's not for everybody. Uh, but I, I love this and especially the coaching aspect and, uh, you know, to have colleagues such as yourself and to, to have those opportunities, uh, to work with people, you know, I, I just consider myself continually blessed and have been very fortunate in my, the opportunities presented to me and the mentors that I've had. And, uh, yeah. It's uh, so I, I don't want, I want to end on a positive note. I don't want it to sound all doom and gloom and angry guys sitting on the front porch. Uh, this, this can be the most amazing thing. Uh, you help people accomplish things and uh, it's, it can be amazing. So positive note, positive. Absolutely. Finish. We're going to end on that. So just remember guys, it can be amazing. And that's what we're going to roll with. So, all right. So listen, if you are a, uh, a new strength coach, or maybe if you know some strength coaches, uh, some, you know, some newer strength coaches, rather send them this episode. I think it could give them some uh, significant insight on how to um, maybe expedite the process. Obviously you can't, you can't just hack your way through success, but if you can learn from others guidance and mistakes, you're one step ahead of the game. So I uh, appreciate you guys again. Share this episode with your friends, colleagues, young coaches, et cetera. And uh, we will be back with our next episode soon. Have a good one, guys. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.